there's a lot of sacrifices like I had made, like sort of like the good paying jobs and the clients and everything I had met while I was in Toronto. And I knew that if I had kind of packed up my stuff and gone on as like the travel guy, that like it's harder to come back and get those same things again. So I knew it was a risk, but I also saw it as like, maybe this is just the next level. I met like a couple of photographers and creators from Toronto, went to Iceland for 10 days, traveled around the ring road, got like a bunch of amazing content. And that was my first taste for like, just like the absolute freedom and like epicness of like really like raw wild landscapes and everything and I think that was the first time I ever shot like landscape photography or landscape video because everything up until then had been like in the city. city. That's Adam Stevens and this is the Vegan Champion Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the show. I'm Jason Fonger and I'm the host of the Vegan Champion Podcast. Why do I do this podcast? Well, I see a rapidly growing amount of vegan people who are doing very cool things in this world to spread the vegan message in their own unique ways and I want to showcase them. I want to provide an opportunity for these people to share their stories and hopefully inspire you, the listener, to take your life to the next level. Today's guest, Adam Stevens, has long been one of my best friends. We go way back to elementary school, and in recent years, it has been super inspiring to watch his evolution. He's been able to make a name for himself as a photographer and video producer, traveling all over the globe to some of the most beautiful places you can imagine. Most importantly, though, he's living life on his own terms and has a level of freedom that I think many people aspire to. We talk about how Adam was able to get to this point in his life and what advice he has for other people who may be looking to walk a similar path. We also talk about the vegan lifestyle and how that ties into his work. We recorded this on New Year's Eve, so we talked a little bit about goal setting, a hot topic this time of year. It was great to have a chat and catch up with Adam. Be sure to check out his work on Instagram where he is at Adam Stevens Visuals. If you have a look there, I think it will take your appreciation for this conversation up a notch or two since you will get a sense of the style and caliber of work that he does. Now let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Adam Stevens. Thank you for coming on the show today, Mr. Adam. Thanks for having me. It's um, it's also New Year's Eve. This is the last day of 2018, and it's going to be 2019 soon, in a few hours. So that's very exciting. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. It's probably, well, it definitely is already 2019 by the time anybody listens to this, <laughs> but we'll still convey the vibe of New Year's, New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's a special day. It is a special day. It is a special day indeed. And... At this time of uh, when people are setting New Year's resolutions and stuff, do you have any New Year's resolutions, Adam? It's funny you mentioned that because like I just posted this photo yesterday and I was basically just like, "Here's to another year of adventures," because I just wanna I just wanna get out as much as possible this year, do more hiking, biking, spend more time outside, mm. less time like this. On the phone. On, on the phone, on the screen. Exactly. I just want to be outside and, and live in it more, you know? So nothing crazy, but I think it's like a pretty good, like, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a smart goal, you know? It's not like a very concrete thing. but I think it's a smart goal. <laughs> but it's not, it's like harder to like measure and you know what I mean? But yeah, I think it's just something that like I know I'll be able to stick to. And like, I just like think about like all year, like, am I doing this? Like, mm. am I getting outside a lot? Mm. You know? So we... Yeah. 
We have a, uh, a new mic set up again today. So the last couple of episodes will have been in a podcasting studio. But the ones before that were lesser quality. That was like a very small mic. So this is a new mic. Um, if you're watching the video, you can see. But if you're just listening, then I'm experimenting with a new mic. And I'm thinking that these sounds, these sounds are getting picked up every time that we put our phones down or something. So maybe... Uh, but I think that's okay. You think Is that so? cool? Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's just try to be aware of that, though. I was yeah. gonna. I think if I get a book, if I got like a thick book next time, then I can. Uh, it might. It might not transfer through so badly. But anyways, um, so yeah, New Year's resolutions. Um, mine will be free, um, free writing or free typing for at least two minutes every day. Really? So, yeah, because I want to. I want to like become more of a writer and and get used to like. Well, also typing correctly. Like I type with two fingers a lot oh, of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's like two minutes of writing whatever, just free, right. free like morning pages, whatever. Kind yeah, of kind of like that, yeah, kind of yeah. like that. Okay. And I'm, I'm telling myself two minutes because that's achievable and I, there's no, absolutely no reason that I couldn't do it every day. Yeah. So there's no excuse. And but can you go beyond two minutes? Like if, if I want. Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, and I've actually done it. I've got a head start on this. So I've done it the past four days. So it's like oh, leading nice. into it. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, it's just conscious, consciously like using all my fingers and like, yeah, yeah. but also, yeah, just getting in that habit of right. writing. And are so. you going to get like an external keyboard too for like better ergonomics and, and stuff or? Um, I haven't thought about that. I think, I think it's just more about not necessarily making it easier to spend longer time at the computer, but making it more efficient the time I am at the computer. Oh, okay. So, I so, see. so yeah, yeah. I think if I learn to type more efficiently, then I can sit down and really get ideas out more quickly. Because I find myself like just making stupid uh, typos all the time and having to go right, back and fix right. them as I'm writing. Because I don't like to, I don't like to just write and then go back and edit everything. I'd rather sort of keep it. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I write. Yeah, that so, makes sense. So going back and like yeah. correcting mistakes is just wasting tons and tons of time. So. Right. Right. Um, yeah, but anyway, so, um, so yeah, New Year's, that's exciting. Um, so Adam, you are a filmmaker, photographer, athlete, musician, traveler, the list goes on, Uh a teacher, a retired teacher, yeah, (laughs) a a retired teacher. Um, and yeah, man, you produce really, really high quality, beautiful work on your Instagram and anybody who's listening to this, um, I really would invite you to check out Adam's photos right now. Go to Instagram. What's your Instagram best best uh, one to look at? Adam Stevens Visuals. If you go on Instagram, uh, I think like YouTube, Facebook, all like the same. It's all across. Yeah, Adam, Adam Stevens. Stevens Visuals. Yeah, yeah. So go check those out, um, and then yeah, that might help. It's better if you look at them and then listen to the conversation and then you can appreciate (laughs) the kind of work that, that Adam's doing and that Adam's done. So, um, yeah, let's, let's start with two quick questions. I have two, two quick questions for you. For sure. So these are like kind of deep questions, but you answer them as quickly as you can. Okay. So your pictures are top notch. How do you do it? What's the secret? What's the secret? Yeah, how do you do it? The quick bite-sized tidbit answer for people. Ooh. How do you do it? Honestly, like, it's so cheesy, but I think it's it's the same thing as, like, anything in life that you want to get good at, you want to improve it. You just have to do it, like, a lot, you mm-hmm. know? Like, how'd you get good at biking? You biked a lot. Like, you put in a lot of hours on the bike, right? Yeah. Um, how do you get good at whatever, like, doing math or, like, becoming a doctor or whatever, right? Like, you put in, like, hours and hours of of time in school or time studying, whatever. Um, 
I think like the 10,000 hours thing like you're familiar with Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell yeah. is like there's a lot of like merit to that and a lot of people are like nowadays are even saying like 20,000 hours is like mm-hmm. the new 10,000 hours because like everyone's already put in their 10,000 hours yeah. so how are you going to like differentiate yourself from them you have to put in 20,000 hours now right um so honestly like I just I just started shooting like a lot and I kind of just shot like everything I didn't really know like when I started, like what like the niche was, or like what I wanted to like create for myself as a brand, I just went around. I, like as you know, like I started shooting like YouTube videos for like when I was playing bass and stuff, um, and then I started shooting portraits and like working with models and different brands. Did like the rooftop thing in Toronto. Like did a lot of like urban sort of like city shooting, um, and then from there transferred into like working with like different fitness companies and stuff, which was a little more like aligned with, with like what I'm all about. Um, and then from there just started traveling a lot. And then I went on a trip to Iceland, like just over a year ago now, I think like a year and a half ago, last October. Um, so yeah, it's almost like a year and a half and just being in like a place like Iceland, like seeing those landscapes and having like grown up around here in like Ontario, it's like, there's not anything like extremely beautiful around here. Like you up North and there's like, there's some decent landscapes and lakes, but you get to a place like Iceland after like growing up like an hour from Toronto. It's a different, I was literally like, Holy crap, this is like incredible. And just like the sense of freedom you get, like, it's not even like we were going on like crazy multi-day hikes or anything, but just driving around and like having, like we rented a car um, and we just drove around the ring road for like 10 days, me and a couple of my friends and just like basically everywhere I looked, I was like, this is so incredibly beautiful and I want to capture this in like a photo and like convey the sense of like adventure and freedom and all that good stuff that like I felt while I was there and like try to like, I guess like, yeah, convey that through, through like a photo, like photos speak a thousand words kind of thing. Right. Um, and this good quote I'd always heard was like capture what it feels like and not what it looks like. And I think a lot of people, myself included, get really hung up on just like worrying about like sort of more basic stuff like composition and lighting and everything, but just forgetting the most important part that you're like telling a story and like you want to convey to people in your photos like how it felt when you were there. Because most people when they're looking at your photos haven't been to those places, right? So if you're just like simply like taking out your phone or taking out your camera and just like snapping a photo of like what you're looking at, it doesn't really convey the sense of like no, it what doesn't. it actually felt like when right. you were there, right? Correct. So I think like if, if I were to give an advice, whatever, to like photographers or people or like to go back to the question you asked about like how I like started doing it or whatever, I think that's like a big thing that like stuck with me. Because mm-hmm. I'll like always try to remind myself and remember that. That it's so easy to just get caught up in like setting up your tripod and just snapping a photo. But like really like asking yourself like what feelings do I have like when I'm here? Like I said in Iceland, it was just a pure sense of like wonder and like how is this even on earth? Because you don't even feel like you're like on this planet anymore. It's like you're on like Mars or something, right? And with like like crazy cold, super, super like 80 mile, 100 mile per hour winds when we were doing some hikes up the mountains and stuff. And like all of that is stuff that you can't really like see in a picture, but hopefully like if you're a good photographer and the guys I look up to when I like see their work and I'm like, well, that's a wicked photo. It's because they've been able to like convey that sense of, of like, feeling in it you know yeah. so i think that makes that makes a lot of sense that you you have to take and a lot, some of that's in taking the photo in the moment and some of that's in the edit right 
Good point. Very good point. Right. I didn't really talk about the editing at all there. Actually, but I would imagine that's a huge part of it. Because like, if you just if you just take if you if you just take a photo, right? Even if yeah. you if you've if you've taken a raw photo, right. right? And you've you've put thought into in that moment when you took the photo into trying to capture the feelings and and thinking about the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. You still look at that photo, and before you've done anything to it, like you, there's still so much more that you can put in in the edit. I would I would imagine. Hundred percent. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. And I, I guess I kind of left that part out. And it, it goes to show, I guess, part of like the way I think about it is like you want to shoot as much like for the edit or for the final product as possible. It's the same thing. Like we have the music background, like Mm -hmm. always just try to like nail it right in the studio. Like Mm -hmm. if you're doing a guitar solo and not be like, Oh, like I'll fix it later. I'll fix it it in the edit. Yeah, exactly. Like the the auto tune, all that kind of stuff. Like the better it is raw in the first place, the better it's going to be when you go edit it. Right. So Mm-hmm. I almost try to think like I just want to shoot and like almost have it not even really be edited and it still be like a powerful image. Um, but then, yeah, I got into like Adobe Lightroom a lot. I don't really do a lot of Photoshop, but um, I've, I've spent like hours and hours over the years playing with like different styles and presets and stuff. And there's this thing like in the photographic community that like a lot of photographers will edit their images like in the same environment that they shot them in for the same reason we just talked about because they mm. want to be able to like keep that spirit of like, yeah, like what you feel like when you're there. Right. So a guy I really look up to, maybe you can put in like the show notes or something, his name, Alex Stroll. Um, I think he's like a British or American photographer or something. Um, and he did this like photographic adventure course and he actually brought his like 59 or 60 inch, like LG, like flat screen, wide curved, whatever, um, monitor to like the cabin that he was staying in. So that like right when he came back from shooting, he just like threw the images onto the hard drive and edited them while he was like still in like Iceland or wherever he was. Um, and so I try to do that. But then again, like I was just before this, I was just editing some photos from, from my Iceland trip. So that's why that's in my, my head. And that was like a year and a half ago. So it's also fun to go back and like re take a different look at images you've taken a long time ago, because you're always going to have like a fresh set of eyes, like Mm. when you haven't edited them for a while and your style changes over time too. Right. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's good to, kind of be able to go back to those images and re- re-edit them and kind of give them a fresh fresh look. So editing is, yeah, it's super important mm. for sure. Yeah. So there's so there's two main things there, right, in terms of what to think about. The first that you mentioned was just, just doing it as much as you can, just getting as much experience, shooting whatever, making whatever. Um, and then the, then the second part, which I think... I think the first thing you said is very universal. The second one, I don't know, maybe it's it sounds to me like that that sort of explains your style a little bit though. The what like what you said there. Like in terms of just trying to really capture the whole experience and the mood. Like your photos like when I look at them, I really get that sense of like yeah, like they they convey certain emotions and certain feelings in right. ways that like other photos just don't like I can't I don't know how to make photos do that you know I think a lot of people don't know how to, how to make photos like take things to that deeper level Where, mm-hmm. whereas yeah your photos I think they do that man and I think that's right. a big reason of why you've had success and, and not just your your photos but the videos as well like creating mm. that that mood that feeling right for you, sure you're, you're definitely figuring that out and that's yeah. something that I think a lot of people are trying to figure out so that's that's really interesting to hear you speak about that um the next thing that I think it, I, I, I want to ask you this question just to get us going again is um, more on the social media side of things. So do you is there a push and pull between 
having success on Instagram or on any in any business, right? And and you know, doing photography for art's sake or vid- videos for art's sake. Like, how do you? I, I I assume there there has to be some of that, right? Like trying to make ends meet, t- which projects to take on. I don't know if you're at the point yet where you're doing a hundred percent of what you would want to be doing all the time or not. But right. I mean, how do you? sort of, um, yeah, think about that, like finding that balance between between what the art that you really want to make and, and taking on jobs or doing things that are going to do well on Instagram. Right, right. Like, really good question, honestly. And, like, it's, like, it's funny because I feel like that's, like, the dilemma of, like, my life nowadays. <laughs> I'm just, like, doing something like this. is like, obviously, if it was up to me, I'd have, like, X amount of passive income a month where... I could just go out and travel all year round and only do the projects I wanted to do and even have enough funding from whatever brands like North Face or Arcteryx or Herschel, whatever, mm-hmm. that actually pay you to go out on assignment and travel around to all the places I want to go to and actually like get paid for it and actually get better content because you have access to like helicopters and skidoos and all this stuff in adventure photography that like right now, because like I'm not that established it's more difficult to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, I I guess that's like the age old challenge of like trying to find a balance of what, which projects I sort of that once again, align with me that I'm not totally like, I'm not going to go shoot like whatever stuff that I don't feel is like, you know, like aligned with like what I'm doing. Um, I don't have to name like certain types of videos, but there's some, you know, photographers or filmmakers that will kind of just shoot whatever, and it's just like, whatever, like they're making money, they're happy. Like they'll shoot weddings, for example. Like that's actually a really good example. I've never shot weddings. Um, I know like I have friends who can go make like $10,000 in a weekend from shooting a wedding. So if like money is your main focus and your goal, then like, cool, kudos to you. You can go make like a crap ton of money. But then like, like you said in your initial questions, like what are you doing to fulfill yourself like artistically and creatively? if like weddings don't do that for you. Right. Um, and I've always sort of had the mentality, like when I got into photography and video, um, I was, I was like teaching, I went to teacher's college. Maybe we'll get into that later. Um, but I just like, wasn't happy with what I was doing, like doing the stable nine to five, worrying about the money. And this all had started accidentally because I just like, wasn't worried about trying to make money off off of it. I just did it cause I loved it and I was passionate right. about it. Yeah. And it all kind of took off from there. And I think that's like, I guess if there's like one takeaway I want people to get from like my story specifically, it's just like whatever you love, like just as much as possible, focus on like just the the actual aspect of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it went back to like, how do you get good at it? You just do it. You do it. You do it. And like but to want to do it, you have to love it. You have to be. You have something. to truly love yeah. it, right? You can't fake it. And if, if you're passionate about it, you are going to get good at it. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like the byproduct or like the you know, that's like the effect of just like doing it so much and loving it is you are going to get good at it because you do it so often. Right. Like, have you ever met someone who's like bad at guitar, but plays guitar 10 hours a day? Like, no, they're going to be pretty good. Like, look at like our buddy, Andrew Canale, right? Like Andrew never went to school for music or anything, but like he's a killer guitar player. It's because he loves it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I always just want to remind myself that of like, even when it turns into a job and all the stuff that, that, you know, goes through your head about how am I going to make money or how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Always bringing myself back to like how it started and like the roots of like just doing it because I loved it. And then everything seemed to like take care of itself. I started getting paid jobs and started working with tourism boards and getting paid for it. And I never really thought initially like 
when I started doing it, that was never the goal. Like I want to get famous on Instagram and become like a travel photographer and get paid to do this. Right. It just mm -hmm. started as like, I want to do this. And then that kind of happened. And it's almost more difficult now that I started getting those paid jobs and stuff because it screws with you mentally a little bit because you aren't doing it for like the same creative and like passionate sense that you had initially done it for because it's your job now and you're being paid to do it. Um, so I did a project with uh, like a tourism board. It's a country in the Caribbean. I won't name the name or anything now for whatever logistics sake and stuff. Um, but like when I went there, it was like the dream gig and I spent a month shooting there and like a couple days into it, I just wasn't really like, like jiving creatively and like it wasn't as much fun as I thought it'd be. And it's because like it kind of hit me that like, uh oh, like I'm being paid to do this and I like I'm like forced to wake up in the morning now and shoot this sunrise and shoot these people and shoot this place in this place. And it didn't have the same like creative passion and freedom that I had done like all of my work till up until then. Right. So I don't know. It's really like, it's definitely a tough question to kind of like hit in a nutshell of like, how do I juggle or how do I balance those two things? But I think it's just a matter of like doing what you have to do. Like I still come back to Toronto and I do projects that, um, aren't necessarily travel related, but they like, you know, they're financially good so that I can then go out and like keep shooting the stuff I want to shoot and build my portfolio and just always looking to the future that like one day, hopefully like this is the only thing I'll be doing is just getting paid to travel and shoot the content that I want to shoot and not have it feel like a job, which is sort of the catch 22 and in, in this whole situation of like doing what you love. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's cool, man. I think yeah, it's 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 interesting to see, like how universal that is. I mean, throughout no matter what no matter what people do, there's there's always I think going to be a bit of that that trade off of like trying to find that balance between doing things that are going to pay the bills and doing what you really really want to do. I think that ultimately that's the goal is to get to the point where you're doing what you really want to do all the time and the bills are being paid. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's not always, you know, getting into, getting into a, a career, you know, or, or if you're moving from one career to the next, that's, that's a, it's a tricky thing to navigate. So it's interesting to, to like hear your thoughts on how you've, how you've done that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we should, uh, I, I want to, I, I didn't even really say at the outset here, but we should say like, <laughs> in case, in case Adam and I get, we're, we're very civil right now. But Adam and I actually go back quite quite some years. We were, um, we basically, well, we grew up, how old were we when we met? We were probably five or six. Yeah, like in diapers pretty much. Like pretty, pretty much sure. in diapers. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah. just the, just a BTW, I guess. Um, we do go way back, just so, just so that the listeners know. Um, so yeah, if we get fired up and start yelling at each other or something, then and there'll be some inside jokes and stuff that you guys all, like might not understand. It's really, all in good fun. We'll try we'll try to explain any any inside jokes that don't don't make sense. But um, yeah, but yeah, I guess the only one so far is just Andrew. We you mentioned Mr. Andrew. Canale, yeah, he just right. just uh, he's a friend of ours. He's just a ripper guitar player and. Uh, yeah, it's funny because it's just he, he loves it so much and he's just so good at it. It's, he's just, it's just a great example, right? Of yeah, what you're talking about. And Andrew's super into like outdoors. Like he's like a wicked rock climber now. So it's funny yeah. how a lot of this and I've noticed a lot of common like threads like that. A lot of people we grew up with who are like in whatever and like we were into music or whatever. And I know like Matt Chalmers and Dylan Moore and like all these guys who are like really good jazz musicians all like kind of stepped back and are yeah. now like getting out training and hiking and like <laughs> I, th I feel like there's like a common thing that we're all like yearning for like 
be outdoors and like that's super interesting that's super interesting you know he did matt chalmers did the uh the intro well the the theme music for this podcast right right yeah yeah, yeah. right he's, on he's, he's, he's gone vegan as well and matt's so. vegan too yeah, so yeah, yeah so. there's definitely a little i don't know that could be a whole other podcast topic but there's something to that of just like i don't know getting outside and just like moving you know for sure we'll get into that later on for sure i think that yeah it's i mean um yeah, because we both came, we met, sort of mentioned already, but we both came from, like, we, well, we grew up, we grew, like I was going to say, like, we, we grew up together, we're, like, skateboarding on the same block, like, playing in punk rock bands as we're in, in, <laughs> in our teenage years and yeah. all that, and then we eventually go to uh, university together, uh, study music, uh, we're roommates for one year together at university, mm-hmm. you know, we're work, we've done a lot of work together, like, playing in bands, like, whether it's, um, you know, well, throughout high school, it was more punk rock, and then throughout university was more like you know jazz gigs like paying you know corporate gigging and playing in pubs and you know all this stuff um and so yeah we we sort of had a similar journey for for a long time and then um you went to teacher's college at some i did yeah i took a year off after humber took a year off after humber just gigged around toronto and then went to went to teacher's college and then after teacher's college, you work in the, what, was it an elementary school and you were teaching? Or, or Yeah, I taught at a private school private? For, for one year after I taught like kindergarten to, to grade eight music, uh, like right out, that was the year right after teacher's college, yeah. And that's when I like had a lot of like moments for sure. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. How so? Explain. <laughs> well, I kind of hinted at it earlier, right? But um, I think you and me both and a lot of sort of like common threads with like people we're meeting nowadays through like traveling and just living like alternative lifestyles is that I don't really know what it is like I've thought a lot about it but I feel like we're just not totally cut out for like the the traditional and I say this in like I'm trying to say this in the nicest way possible because I don't want to sound judgmental or like condescending towards people who will go to school get their like good paying job and their house and their you know two dogs and mortgage and everything like that like I think that's a totally valid route but like that's always kind of scared the the crap out of me like especially after graduating from Humber I just felt like I was still so young and like so much to experience in life and I just didn't want to like take that as the answer or as like the only route so I've basically done like anything I could like since then to try to find other ways to basically like kind of do what I'm doing now make an income and and just kind of create the life that like I want to live like I think like intentional living is like super important i watched this documentary called the minimalist on netflix have you seen the minimalist or no i haven't no i want to see it. incredible documentary but their big thing right is just like living like with intent and that like life's not an accident like if you wake up when you're 45 and you're miserable and you've got like whatever like a serious amount of debt and health issues and you're living where you don't want to and you're living with a spouse or a partner that you don't you're not happy with blah 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 and you realize like, oh crap, like I don't want to be here, then like that's your fault. Like that's no one else's fault. Like the earth, like whatever, you know what I mean? It's not the earth's fault. It's not like the universe's fault. Like you made every decision in your life up until that point. And if you ever have that moment where like you wake up and realize that, then like the the cool part and like the most amazing part is that like you're in control of your life, right? So if you have like an intent and something you want to do and you're like willing to work hard at it, you can kind of do like whatever you want to do. So I've always had like that sort of mindset. 
Um, so yeah, you can, I guess, you, you can sort of look at it as a as a blessing or as uh, you know something as a curse. As a curse. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, you, you'd have some people who they. Um, yeah, they would. They almost. Uh, it's like everything's an excuse, right? It's like every everything that's happened that ever happens to them, they seem to have some reason that it's happened to them, right. and, it's, and it's always external to themselves. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and that's a bad a mindset like to be, right? <laughs> there's a lot of people like that, but and then yeah, I mean, if you if such a person though one day sort of wakes up to the reality of how how much they are if affecting what's going on in their lives, that can be a little bit daunting and like. You know, for somebody to have that realization that like, oh, it's all on me. Like, it's all my fault. Like, you can feel sort of right, right. bad and, and um, yeah, you, you, you feel sort of regret for almost these, like, lack of, the lack of responsibility you've taken throughout your life. Yeah. And then you get to this point where you can have sort of an awakening of sorts. And, yeah, it can be daunting, but it's also empowering, right? For to, sure it is, yeah. yeah. And I was lucky enough, I guess, to, like, have that not when I was, like, 45. And I didn't right. have, like, a family yeah. and everything, right? Like, we're still pretty young. Like, yeah. I'm 27. You're, are you 27 or 28 now? I'm, I am 20, uh, 28. You're 28 now, yeah, right. So we're still, like, relatively young yeah. to be, like figuring all this stuff out and we have a lot of luxuries of you know just like growing up in like Canada and middle class families and everything so we have a lot of freedom to do this um but anyways to go back to uh teachers college so I went to teachers college became a teacher and then it was in that year when I kind of just realized like I don't want to be doing this like this isn't for me like I looked around at all the other uh like my coworkers, the other teachers who were working there and they had taught at this private school for like 20 25 30 years they were getting ready for retirement and like none of them really seemed happy it was just like a working mm. for the weekend kind of mentality like they so just, you saw yourself in them you know for sure it was like inevitable to kind of see like if if i keep doing this like that's going to be me like why shouldn't i think that would be me right and just looking at people who work like you know office jobs or corporate jobs and it's all like we've gone to school with like a lot of people who i think we've drifted apart from because they've gone and um you know gone into like banking or whatever right and then they're just like boom there there's their life like written out on a piece of paper like i'm in the office till i'm 60 i've got my 401k once i retire and then like i'm going to live once i retire or i'm going to live on the weekend and it's like like why why have something like that in life where you're going to wait till you're like you might not even be alive when you're 60 right why work your entire life for something in the future or work 5 days a week and be miserable just to work for the weekend or just to have your like 6 to 9 p.m. free time once you get home to do what you want and for most people like a lot of the teachers i worked with and most importantly like myself included when i got home every day from that job I like never had enough energy to like go hiking or go running or like play music. I just wanted to come home and have a beer, like to be straight up. Like I didn't, I was never like pumped up on life and it was just like getting through each day and I'd have a beer, go to bed and then like wake up the next day and like, all right, got to get through this day. It's Tuesday. And then we get to hump day Wednesday and it's like, yes, like halfway through the week. Right. And you're almost at Friday. And then you get to Friday and then like you just like, I don't know, I think like that's where like this like drinking party lifestyle comes in because it's just like, yeah, how, how else do you like forget about your crappy week? You just go out and you get hammered yeah. and then you repeat it all again the next week and the next week. And then before you know it, like I said, like you're like 45, 50 and you realize like you haven't you haven't totally like lived the life um, you haven't lived the life that you've wanted to live. Um, and that's like super it's definitely super scary to me. Um, so anyways, yeah, so I, I taught at the music school, wasn't happy with it. Um, and just like basically stuck it out for the year. 
Um, I just like suffered through it because I signed a contract. And then throughout the course of that year, um, whatever like energy I could muster up, I just started shooting around like Mississauga where I lived. I bought like a pretty decent camera because I'd saved up for money from uh, teaching. So I bought a little camera and just started shooting like fun, creative videos. And then like they started to get noticed. And then once I like finished in June, once the school year was done, I was basically like, kind of F this, I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. I'm going to do anything else I can to like make a living, whether it's like drop shipping or affiliate marketing or like whatever I could. So to, you, like, you didn't really have a clear picture at that point. I definitely just, didn't. Yeah. I just knew like what I didn't want to do. And that was right. like, you know, the biggest like realization for me. Um, and I was, I kind of f- also fell out of like the music scene at that point too, because I didn't like the sort of go to bars at like 9 p.m., play till 2 a.m., lug your gear out, be, being around that drinking crowd that I talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, all of that wasn't aligning with what I was doing. And still at the same time, um, there's a lot of overlap here, but like this is also the time when I started like getting a lot more into fitness and stuff. And when I was teaching, my like fitness and my running and everything scaled back a lot. Like I wasn't going to the gym, wasn't running as much as I had been like in teacher's college the year before. Um, I wasn't eating as well as I should have. I'd usually come home every day and get like takeout Thai food or pizza or something. And I wasn't super like, I could have been a lot more aware of like what I was doing, like nutritionally, what I was doing, um, with my time, like when I wasn't teaching everything like that, it all kind of goes hand in hand. So, um, I basically just like, yeah, I quit my job and then moved to Toronto. And that was like the big, I like very vividly remember like, just like that moment of like, should I move to Toronto? And to be honest, the ultimatum was, it came from my parents and my parents were like, like you quit your job and that was like your decision and you don't have a real job now. And if you want to keep living at home, we're going to start charging you rent. And like, so to have my parents, like the people, the only people in my entire life that I've counted on to like live with and have that like sort of like buffer or whatever you want to call it, that fallback option mm-hmm. to have them say straight up to me, like kind of what are you doing with your life? Like we've just paid for all of university all of, like, well, I paid for my teacher's college, but we just covered all of your school, you yeah. quit your job, and now you think you can just come and, like, live at home. Well, we're going to charge you rent. Mm-hmm. And that was my big, like, looking back, honestly, at the time, it was, like, a real, like, hit. Like, I, I took it, like, very sensitively and, like, personally because I was, like, how can my parents, like, do this to me? But looking back, that was, like, the single biggest, like, change or, like, that was sort of what propelled everything that happened since then was because I realized, like, okay, well, why would I pay money to live, like, at home with my parents when I'm, like, 25 or however old I was? Why don't I just use that money and pay rent in Toronto and just, like, see what happens, right? So then I moved to Toronto, and I got a one-month sublet at, like, a place in Toronto. I just started shooting around Toronto, did a couple, like, tourism travel-type videos, a figure skating video. A lot of them gained a lot of momentum, and, like, some of them went viral, like, on Facebook and stuff, and then other people had reached out to me and were like, hey can you do a video for me? Right. And like, before I knew it, I was just doing like a mixture of shoots that I wanted to do for fun. And then also paid shoots and trying to juggle those. And I realized the more like shoots I did for fun, the more that would turn into bigger and better opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then one month sublet in Toronto turned into like a two month sublet turned into like another two month sublet. So I moved around like six times in that year, just like sublet to sublet to sublet because I was just loving living in Toronto and like having the freedom of like just shooting all the time. Like I'd wake up every day and it was literally like, what do I want to go do today? You know, and I love that life. Like it pumped me up. It was like the most happy I'd been like probably in my whole life looking back, at least since like middle school or something when like 
life's a big bubble anyways right yeah so yeah that was like the biggest thing so i guess if there's any parents watching this and you want to get your like you know kick your kids uh butt into gear like as as like mean as it sounds i guess that tough love thing like kind of worked for me you know and, and maybe it won't work for anyone but just that little like impetus of like just you know you're on your own do this it like showed me how real like sort of life was at the same time and I was like I gotta go do this and then I just happened I think a lot of it was like luck I met like the right people and did like a lot of networking and stuff um maybe we can get into that later because I know you mentioned before like tips or whatever or like advice to build up you know like your following or your presence on Instagram Mm. and stuff but a lot of that was through like collaborations I just dm'd on Instagram like everyone I could every like model figure skater like everyone I could like hundreds of dms just sliding, sliding right into those DMs. Wow. <laughs> and I basically said, hey, my name's Adam. Like, I'm a photographer, filmmaker, want to shoot. And it started with, like, people with, like, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 followers. Um, like, people with clout, for lack of a better term. And then it worked up to, like, a couple months later when I was, like, shooting with people with, like, 2 million or 3 million followers. And it just kind of, like, snowballs from there. So, like, I think putting all that work in like up front, not with the expectation of like getting paid or with this or that, almost with no expectations other than I want to work with you, like really paid off. Cause then like I would have a bunch of girls like around Toronto, just like DMing me being like, how much do you charge to shoot? And then I'd charge them like X amount to go spend an hour or two to take photos of them. So something I'd been doing a month before for free, I was now getting paid for. Um, and then it kind of just like kept, like snowballing from there. There's got to be so much work out there for for Instagram photographers. There, honestly, there is for sure. But a lot of people tell you there isn't. But they're just not looking in the right places, right? Yeah. Or they're expecting to get paid work. Well, yeah, right I think I think a lot of it is is the the headspace because you can. I mean, every, everything's everything. No matter what no matter what career you want to you want to carve out for yourself like it's not going to be a walk in the park you have to put the work in right for sure you do but yeah. that's not to say like yeah i think i mean from my standpoint and I, I guess it sounds like you're confirming this like there's there's so much so much happening on instagram and on social media that that needs good photography that needs people Co- who content can, creation pe- people right? who can take good yeah who people who can take good photos people who can make good videos mm-hmm I mean, it's like there's got to be tons of work out there for people who are who are looking for it. You know? For sure. Well, you look at like where people are spending their time nowadays, and before you'd like you know you'd see on Facebook like like all like text, text, like statuses and like words and blogs and stuff. But like blogs have gone down. Like if you go on Facebook and scroll through your feed, like Facebook's only showing videos now, right? They're showing images. They're showing videos. Instagram, same thing. Release of IGTV. YouTube has their paid like subscription services now. So everything uh, of like where people are spending their time nowadays is with visual content. And like I think I got into this like especially when I start, first started doing this two or three years ago at like the cusp of like when people just kind of started realizing like wow there is a huge market here. And I also mostly did video back then. Uh, like recently it's shifted, so I'm kind of doing more photography work now. Um, and that's just because I like hate spending time editing to be like completely honest. And like, I've spent less time, time, eh? it takes a lot of time and I spend less time editing photos. So that's honestly why I like it more. But at the time, like three years ago, I was one of the only people in Toronto who were doing those types of videos. So like if someone saw like my video, they would just know it was me. Mm -hmm. And that was like a huge advantage, like 
off the get-go because people weren't like making videos like that like even well, three yeah. years ago which is kind of funny i mean there's maybe maybe i can like maybe i can link to like a few videos like there's a there's one one that comes to mind that you mentioned before the the figure skating video that, right that right went, that went pretty uh pretty viral if i remember yeah like a bunch of like blog to and narcity ontario travel like a bunch of pretty like big local um you know pages ended up posting reposting that which was really cool because i got i'll post i'll post it in the show notes but what's what was it actually called what was the title can people just search it and find it i think if you search like one city night um or if you go to my youtube channel it should come up okay i think it was called one city night and yeah i just collaborated with like she's uh like team canada or like really acclaimed uh figure skater like canadian figure skater and i just messaged her the same thing i slid into her dms actually remember nico nico uh giorgio yes yeah another one of our mutual friends old buddies cool skateboarder uh he was like a figure skater and i asked him like do you know any figure skaters that'd be into doing a video and he was like yeah message charlene and so I messaged Charlene, I like told her the idea, I wanted to go to Nathan Phillips Square at 3am, middle of the night, and just shoot this video. I just had this like idea for it that I'd been like falling asleep to every night for like weeks. This was like just when I had moved to Toronto. Um, and I was like, I want to go make this happen. So once again, it's just like the same like sort of consistencies and like messaging comes up again and again. Like if you have an idea or if you want something, you just got to go do it. So we went out at 3 a.m. and we shot this video and like she really dug it and she was awesome to work with. And then like a bunch of people ended up posting it. And then I got like so a lot of gigs that I still have nowadays, like working with uh, Toronto Yoga Company. I had got from like the owner of that yoga company seeing that video and being like, can you make me something like that? But like for yoga. And I was like, yeah. And then, like, I got paid for doing that. And that was, like, one of my first, like, bigger paying jobs. And it was just from doing this, like, free figure skating video that I had never had the intention of, like, mm. I'm going to do this to get money or I'm going to do this that to That was 100% viral, right? an artistic vision that you just went for. It didn't, like... Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No expectations, yeah. right? Yeah. No and, expectations. And, and from that, you get a lot of exposure and, and people... I mean, that that is a really good video. And, I mean, the... Uh, you know, you were talking about how at that time there was there wasn't really anybody else in Toronto who was doing the same kind of videos and the, and the style of videos that you were doing. I mean, I would describe them as you know very like a lot of uh, a lot of really cool like editing effects and like, like some tra- transitions, transitions yeah, yeah. like just like you. This is not the kind of video that you you you, you throw together in like you know half an hour. Like you, you must have been putting some serious time. Yeah, like that one took me like seven days straight to and, edit, and, and it's they, not a long video. I mean, how long? It's like is sixty it? seconds. It's like so, it so took you, me like seven. So days. these yeah. videos, these style of videos that that you were doing at this time. You know, and sort of, I guess, getting known for to a certain extent is, right. is like, yeah, just really highly stimulating short videos that, um, yeah, you really should check them out if you're listening to this. It's it would help if you uh, if you would go maybe head over to Adam's YouTube channel and check out some of these videos um, because yeah, it's a unique. You know, you definitely have have a unique um, editing style. Like I haven't really seen anybody else do videos quite like that. Quite like that. Like you know, the just the the feel of it. You know, right, it's, right. It's you've got your own, you've got your own flavor, which is, uh, you know, something that people aspire to. I think is to to have work where it's like, oh, I I know that you know that was probably by this guy because it it just feels a certain way. Mm. And I mean, I can't, I probably can't put words to like exactly what it is. Um, 
you know, that makes it feel that way, but it just does. <laughs> right, right. I think it, I think, yeah, it has to do with, um, yeah, your ability to sort of try to convey that feel, convey the feelings of wherever you were filming the video and whatever was going on. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing, so you move to Toronto, you sort of, um, have accepted that you've got to, you know, support yourself and make this work one way or another. And, you seem to, I mean, it seems to work really well for you, this sort of balance that you took, you know, between doing some paid gigs to make money, but then also making sure that you're getting that healthy dose of creative, um, you know, cre- creative projects that are really just stimulating your artistic side and making you, you know, helping you to feel good about taking photos and making videos every day, getting, you know, feeling excited, not just pursuing things to pay the rent, but mm-hmm. you, see, you must have had a pretty good balance between those two. For um, sure, to, and that's yeah. that's that allowed you to grow, and then you went on some pretty pretty epic excursions the past couple of years. I mean, you've been to a lot of different countries. I mean, why don't you maybe just take us through some of the highlights of of places that you've traveled outside of Toronto? Yeah, for sure. So I guess like the transition from like living to Toronto um, at the end of that year that I just uh, spoke of, um, I kind of just like thought a lot about like the projects I was doing, and I was like, I'm not totally happy to be staying in Toronto even though I had a lot of opportunities there and it seemed like on the outside like the right thing would have been to stay there and looking back maybe like maybe that was the right choice to stay in Toronto and kept doing what I was doing and maybe I would have been doing like even bigger crazier projects now but I just like deep down I just felt like I wanted to go back to like outdoors and traveling and I've always wanted to go to like Southeast Asia is one place for sure that I've dreamed of like even long before I was like a photographer and videographer um, it sounds like you did the right thing, man, because you felt this calling to like right, to ex- exactly. And there was so. a lot of like I guess I say that because there's a lot of sacrifices like I had made, like sort of like the good paying jobs and the clients and everything I had met while I was in Toronto, and I knew that if I had kind of packed up my stuff and gone on as like the travel guy, that like it's harder to come back and get those same things again. So I knew it was a risk, but I also saw it as like maybe this is just the next level of like moving out from my parents and moving to Toronto. Now the next step is to like maybe move back into my parents or like move all my stuff from my apartments back home but for an even bigger goal this time which is to basically get out like almost permanently right and not ever be back um at my parents unless it's like for the holidays or whatever right um so um I'm trying to remember so I think like basically from after Toronto um I went to Iceland um and that was the trip I spoke of earlier um I met like a couple photographers and creators from Toronto went to Iceland for 10 days, traveled around the ring road, got like a bunch of amazing content. And that was my first taste for like, just like the absolute freedom and like epicness of like really like raw wild landscapes and everything. And I think that was the first time I ever shot like landscape photography or landscape video because everything up until then had been like in the city City, or at like a conservation area and like Mm -hmm. Ontario, like Albion Hills or something. Right. Right. So that like totally shifted my mindset. And then after that, I, I landed the gig with, uh, with like, the Caribbean tourism board that I mentioned earlier. Um, spent a month there. Like, right after that, um, I got another job with Tahiti, which is from, like, a local Toronto company. So I got really lucky in these, like, couple months, like, during that time frame where, like, everything just seemed to, like, boom. I got a bunch of travel gigs, and it was awesome. Um, and I did Tahiti. I came back home, um, had some money saved up from all those projects, and it was, like, getting really cold out in Toronto or whatever. I can't remember if you came home that winter or not. 
Um, but it was around like December, January, and I was like, I'd been telling Jay for like years now, probably like, I'm coming to Asia, I'm coming to Asia. And yeah, like, you kept telling me. At this point, you're probably like, man, like th- this guy is all talk, like he's never, he's never gonna come. Um, and then like I think I just had that moment where I was like, all right, well, like what have I got to lose? Like I don't, I didn't really have a lot of projects going on in the winter, and like I said, I had the money saved up, so I booked the one way flight to Singapore. Um, met up with like my buddy that I met through Instagram in Singapore. Um, from there, we traveled like around Malaysia, Indonesia, um, Myanmar, um, Thailand for a little bit, and then um, yeah, and then came back home. But what, what what was the idea with that? Was that just going for? Was that a paid thing or was it? No, it was like it was all self funded. Like I just did it because like I knew I had to get to those countries. Um, I just wanted to see it. Um, Honestly, a big draw was just like knowing people like you and like seeing that like 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 you know the lifestyle and everything that you could live out there and like the options like as funny as it sounds and I guess this will start tying into the the vegan thing right but just like the potential of like creating the lifestyle you want to live there as it being like so much less expensive as living mm-hmm. in Canada um, you're able to spend less time doing all the stuff we talked about earlier, like working that job you hate, spending the time with people you hate and just really like creating the life that you want to and living with intent. Right. Mm. So you can work like a couple hours a day and make ends meet and you can wake up every morning and go to local fruit market and get like fresh durian or whatever. Right. Like I'm, mangoes is like my thing. Right. I just like always oh, yeah. like so much mangoes. Bring, bring on the Thai mangoes. Yeah. Bring them on. And like, so that was just, that was just awesome. And like seeing the potential of just all the digital nomads, um, was a like huge attractive part to it of like people living in Chiang Mai, in Bali, um, all these young people around the world who I think going back to the initial thing of like, there's something I think in certain people that like, we're not down to settle for this like traditional way of life. And I think all of those people, the beautiful part about traveling and going to these places, like you can attest to it is that like it seems to be like a hub where like all these people with these mindsets are like attracted to, like, it's literally like a magnet. Like Chiang Mai is known as like the digital nomad capital, like of the world. Right. Yeah. And, and same with Bali. So like Bali was a big place that like attracted to me. And so I spent like two, almost two months there. Um, and just living that life of being able to shoot like whenever I wanted being, having the freedom of having my own bike where I could just bike around to wherever, wake up for sunrise, like go for a morning surf, um, go get like a nice smoothie bowl for breakfast, go shoot or edit all day in like a cafe, send some emails, get some clients, some gigs and stuff. Um, and just try, kind of bring in like all the facets of like everything I'd been like passionate up until that point was sort of the main like goal of getting out there and more so just to get a taste for it and to see like if I, if it was like all it was cracked up to be in my head. Cause for mm. a long time, I think I thought I like romanticized this idea of being like a digital nomad and like for all I knew maybe if I got there I would like hate it and I'd be like man I want to go back to like my teaching job or you know I didn't really know at that point um but I got there and like I ended up like extending my visa in Bali for like another month because like I just liked spending so much time there um and I also joined like a local gym called Nirvana shout out to Nirvana uh strength and fitness or something it's called it's in Bali um, they've got amazing like gymnastics bodies, certified coaches. And at that time I wasn't really running. I'd been dealing with like a lot of injuries on and off from training and from basically lack of mobility and, and movement skills from like sitting and being on my phone and editing so much that I was like, I want to spend 
like a month right now and not do a lot of shooting. Um, so it's funny because the trip that initially turned out to be like going there for the premise of shooting and stuff turned into like me trying to like get rid of all this negative take a stuff. Break. That, that, take a break yeah, of, like, yeah. And I kind of take care of your body a little bit. Exactly. And, yeah. Because yeah, I realized like I can't be doing this forever if like I'm not mentally in like the right state to be doing this. Like waking up for sunrises sunsets going on like six hour bike rides and like doing that every day is like it's not an easy job like there's yeah. a myth that like you're living the dream but it's like it was way tougher than doing my teaching job because teaching job you like hop in your car and you just drive to work and you get your coffee and like you sit there all day and then you go home right but doing this was like actually really demanding and I was getting like worn out mentally and physically like getting sick and um just like, I don't know, yeah, being on my phone on Instagram and everything so much. So I was like, man, I just, and I'd mess, that was when I messaged you, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, dude, I need, like, I just need a break. And I'm, I'm either, either going to come to Chiang Mai or like that. Phuket or I'm going to stay in Bali for a month. Because um, I didn't really want to go home at that point. Like, I'd come all the way to Asia. Um, I think I tried to convince you to come to Chiang Mai, get a bike, and, and or, or either that or we'd meet in Phuket. I think it was Phuket, yeah. Meet in Phuket, yeah. Just to sign up for the training facility there. And I was pretty close to doing that. And I just happened to Google like local gyms or whatever. And where I was living in Bali at the time, that gym Nirvana was there. And I'd always been interested since I listened to this Tim Ferriss podcast with uh, a guy named Coach Summers. And he's like an incredible gymnastics coach. Uh, maybe that's another thing we can throw in the show notes. Um, like incredibly knowledgeable guy. And this podcast just like opened up my mind to like how bad sitting and like living in like our society nowadays, how bad that is for your body. And I had been getting like kind of out of shape. Like I didn't have like totally good posture. I'd always kept getting these like reoccurring running injuries and stuff. And I was like, man, I just want to spend a month and like kind of give my body like a reboot or whatever you want to call it. Eat super healthy, like mm -hmm. all fresh food. And so that's like exactly what I did. Like I trained like three or four hours a day there and like noticed like a really big, like I got my butt kicked for sure, but I noticed like a really big difference, like almost immediately with just how like I walked around day to day life, like just like mm. taking steps, like my toes really like, you know, contact with the ground and like, like driving your feet and activating your quads and your hamstrings and your glutes and your core and like tiny stuff that like that, that probably most people don't think about. But it like enlightened me to all that sort of like body mechanic, mobility sort of stuff. And I've honestly like even till nowadays and like further going on, like it, it got me like so hooked on that. Like I just like I'm almost spending more time doing that than like photography now, just like researching and reading and doing all the stuff about like body mechanics and like. So who was it that you wanted to recommend for people to check uh, out? So Coach Summers or Coach, Coach Summer or Coach Summers, S-O-M-M-E-R-S. Um, and he did an episode with, with uh, Tim Ferriss on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Okay, cool. Yeah, and Tim just, like, basically just talked about, like, you know, essential movements that people should be doing every day. And, hmm. like, what's the five movements or exercises that have, like, the biggest bang for your buck that, like, people aren't doing nowadays? Like, getting into a squat. Like, how many people, like, maybe I can ask the, the listeners, like, listening to this right now, but, like, when was the last time you just, like, literally popped a squat like you're, like, taking a dump in the forest or something? Like we don't take dumps, in, <laughs> we don't take dumps in the forest anymore. So we don't do it, right? So, so you, so the the idea is getting into that, or the this squat position, but then other positions. Getting into these positions on a regular basis is supposed to benefit our mobility. They're they're primal movement patterns, right? Okay. So we've been doing them for millions of years. So right? we're sort of we're made to to do these. We're made to do that. Things, like yeah. if you if you read the book uh Born to Run or if people are familiar with Born to Run, it's a similar thing where we've just nowadays gotten so like out of touch with all this stuff that that's why we get injured. That's why 
like all this like people say they hate running but like we're literally born to run like when we were evolving like we ran for hundreds of miles like chasing like antelope through like these like fields and all this stuff like hunter gatherer kind of things and we've actually developed certain things like why we're like bipedal animals or whatever like why we're not running on four feet and why we're running on two feet like all these different ways we've evolved why we have an achilles tendon why we have these muscles in the back of our necks to stand up straight they were they all evolved because of running right so we're like born like as a creature we're born to run and like i think we feel the most free and like connected to nature at least i do when I i'm do like too. when i'm out running especially trail running and that's that's a big thing of how i got into trail running um so I think like the the primal movement pattern was just like a big awakening to me of like holy crap like I'm just so out of touch with like like we're not meant to like this position of just of like your body language and everything being like curved in and looking your head down and having text neck and sitting like these positions are not positions we're meant to be in for long periods of time Mm -hmm. and then to spend so much time doing that it never really dawned on me and then I just had like a big awakening almost the same way I had a big awakening about like plant-based diets and veganism was like holy crap I want to undo all of the damage I've done to my body and Mm -hmm. like as quickly as possible and that's why I joined the gymnastics gym and that's why even to this day I'm pretty much starting every day with like half an hour an hour of like mobility gymnastics so you've stuck with it Definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's been like a huge change. I'm not really focused on running 50, 60K a week anymore. It's more so just like I want to make sure my body is moving, right? And then it's going to kind of take care of. And I've like, you know, without um, surprise, it's like actually worked out that like I haven't been injured running since I've been. I went out and did like a 25K run the other day, like a pretty like a run that like a long time ago would have like had me out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't even feel sore the next day. Nice. And it's not because I've been running a certain amount of mileage. It's just because my body now is like just better prepared for for doing that because I'm more mobile, I guess. Right? Like I need to look into this stuff. <laughs> I've, I've had this year has been good. I haven't had um, any any real serious injuries. I had it was around this time last year that I was struggling with uh, plantar fasciitis. Mm, and, uh, mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't get that bad, but it was definitely creeping in, and uh, so I had to take quite a lot of time off running. But I, I really, I I hear you, man, on the mobility stuff and injury prevention. That's something I really need to work on. I did a yoga class um, a couple of days ago. I went, I went with my mom to, my mom's been doing yoga. She she got into yoga like a year ago, uh, right around New Year's. I got I got her like a starter pack at a yoga studio. Okay. So, she, so she's stuck with it all year. And then I've been, I mean, I need to do way more yoga. I did this class with her and... I I'm just just realized how messed up my body is. Yeah. My body is so messed it's up. It's scary, man. It's so tight. Like, I mean, you know, because the last two years, it's been pretty full-on, like, triathlon training for me. That's a lot of repetitive motion. It really is. Like, my hamstrings, man, they're really tight, especially on my left my left leg, which is where I've been getting, um, having, you know, the most, like, niggles and issues and right, stuff. Right. That, that left leg is really tight. Mm-hmm. I really need to, um, yeah, implement some. I think... What I tried to do last year to go back to like the the New Year's resolutions thing, um, right, right. Since we're since since we're, it's New Year's and all, we can talk about it. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to do, I said five minutes of yoga every every morning, five minutes of yoga every morning, and I think I probably did it. I probably did it more than 50% of the days. I'd say probably 60, 70% of the days. I remember days we talked year. about this yeah. like a year ago today. Did we? Yeah. Because yeah, I was here at your house. Yeah, 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 for New Year's. Yeah, yeah I remember we were, you we asked me, like, year. what are your New Year's resolutions? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, remember we, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. And so 
I think it was good because it it helped me to like do it more regularly. But the problem is, it's it's a sh- it's such a short amount of time, and like to really get into like a stretch, you know, to like a yoga class, like your body takes a while to warm up, and to really hit all those muscles and give give every every part of your body the attention it needs. I think I think this year I think I'm gonna try to do two yoga classes a week. Mm. That, that are each one hour in duration. Right. I think that that would be better because yeah. I need to spend more time on it because it's really important. But um, but yeah, that's I think that's what I'm going to try to do is try to just yeah make it you know yoga or if if not yoga then some kind of mobility self you know recovery you know based sort of for uh, sure yeah session. well maybe try to like do like half an hour every morning or something right like if you make it routine then it's like that's the only way I've been able to stick with it is mm-hmm. like if I knew I had to do it a couple days a week then it'd be like oh if i go away for a couple like you know what i mean yeah it's always the things when you do a couple days it's harder but like i'm like i'm gonna do this every day when i wake up and it's cool it's good too because then you wake up and you don't just like at least for me i don't go right to my phone in the morning i also have a rule that like i'm not gonna use my phone for like the first hour of the day Mm -hmm. so when i wake up i'll like get my aero press make a cup of coffee or like make some tea and then boom straight downstairs to the yoga mat to do my mobility thing and it's like I've done it so routinely now that it's like not even like I don't even think about it now right mm-hmm. it's a routine I just wake up and I boom I do it and it's honestly like I think it is something that it's so important that you have to be doing it every day only doing it like one hour a couple days a week I, and I think a lot of people would would argue that you're better off doing it for less amount of time but just doing it every day because you want to be undoing the stuff that like if you're on your computer every day, right? Only spending like an hour a couple times a week isn't enough to undo just the effects of sitting on your computer. But then you're also biking four hours and then you're swimming and then you're running. So you yeah. need to be doing even more than that every day. Um, so David, do you know David Goggins? I need Goggins? more hours in the day, man. I need more hours We in all the day. do. Jay, do you know David Goggins? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. when he was on I, I don't know him personally. I just know his story. Right. I, yeah. We all wish we knew him personally. But uh, <laughs> he said, like, on this is another big eye-opener, right? Because he said on, on Rich's podcast, which we both love and listen to a lot, um, he had said, um, basically, for the normal person, just to undo living, you have to spend a half an hour to 45 minutes a day foam rolling, doing myofascial release with a golf ball or with a, you know, lacrosse ball, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're training on top of that, you need to be doing even more than that. So at one point, David Goggins was doing like seven, eight hours a day of like mobility. And that sounds extreme to a lot of people, but he, he had, he had, he had like really, he had some serious problems. He had some pretty big issues, right? But that's the extent you have to go if you really want to like undo it and get serious about it. And then when he came, we had talked about this on a run the other day, but when he came back to running after that, he was like one, two minutes a kilometer faster, faster. after yeah. not training for a year but it was just because like his hip flexors it's were so more much stretched easier. out yeah. and like his body was just working you know yeah if you have all kinds of tightness that's basically causing your 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 muscles to work harder to do something right if you if you get rid of a lot of that tension mm-hmm. then you're you don't have to exert as much energy to to you know if you're running right you can imagine if your hips are tight you're having to work a lot harder to to, to get that get that stride to hit those positions in your stride mm-hmm, whereas mm-hmm. if you're if you're loosened up and you don't have as much tension then your body just sort of works 
um, works a lot better. So yeah, um, yeah, David, that's that's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some more thought to that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll reconsider. I mean, it's still I still have like a few hours, so it's mm-hmm. not midnight yet. So, <laughs> so so maybe instead of maybe instead of uh, two hours a week, maybe I'll, maybe I'll settle for half an hour a day or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So. Um, tell me, tell me more about, since this is the vegan champion podcast, tell me more about how you first heard about and got interested in veganism or changing lifestyle. I mean, how did that happen for you getting into that? Um, well, so I was thinking about this like earlier today, actually, um, cause I, I kind of knew you were going to ask me something like this on the, <laughs> on the podcast. So I was, I was actually like having a shower thinking like, like how did this all start or how do I explain this? And like, I think like everything, um, there's just so much overlap between like trail running and fitness and nutrition and just like being the best you can be all that kind of whatever, for lack of a better term, cheesy kind of stuff. Right. The hippy dippy stuff. Yeah. Right. And it all, like all this seems to have happened. I think looking back without coincidence, all this in my life like happened at the same time. Like that's sort of the theme that you guys will start realizing from this podcast is like the time I'd like started running more was also the time I started eating healthier was the time I started treating myself less like such shit and like stopped drinking as much and stopped smoking as much. And you know what Mm. I mean? Like it was just when I started like respecting myself more and just trying to like, you know, be better and be nicer to myself, um, all that good stuff. So I think it it was initially probably from you that I'd even like first heard of like you know veganism or mm-hmm. whatever like when I was younger my bro went vegetarian for like a like a month or something. Oh and right, like, I remember that. Like yeah. laughed at him because like the first time my mom ate bacon or my mom made bacon like I just thought like wow like that sucks like he can't eat bacon and I looked at it as like such a bad thing like poor yeah. Sean like he can't eat bacon I'm gonna like eat extra bacon now because because he can eat bacon you know and. It's funny how you come full circle because now I don't crave bacon at all, and I actually like like I'm like feel sorry for people who do eat bacon now because I'm like, damn, that's not, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> um, Same, but yeah, so I guess like through like in university, I remember like we got like burgers one night from the store at Raba that like infamous night, and like we came back and cooked them up, and like I think you had had like one bite, and you're like grossed out. And you're, oh, like, I remember that. That was um, I remember you're just really grossed out by it. So I actually went. Uh, I went vegan when we were roommates in uh, in university. That was the year that I went vegan, uh, second year university. Okay. And that, so that was two thousand, I think. Does that make sense? Two thousand. No, no, no. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. No, yeah. That doesn't make sense. I'm not that old. We're not that old. Two thousand ten, I think. Yeah. I, th- I was pretty sure it was an even number. So yeah, that that would make way more sense. So anyways, the um. Yeah, I remember. I remember that, and then this was this was like the next year, or like several months down the road, like the beginning of the next year. So I was like maybe you know five or six months into like my vegan journey, and I remember that. I remember you came over, and and mm-hmm. and and we had like I think I had old. There might have been old burgers in the fridge. I think we Did went to Rabba. I walked Did over you? to Rabba okay, and bought yeah. like a thing of burgers. And. Um, <laughs> And then yeah, I remember that. I remember you're like just just try it, just try it, and, you know. And I'm like try to eat it again. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And I remember I tried to like take, uh, like I couldn't, I couldn't eat it. Like I remember I, was, I spat it, I spat yeah, it. Like I did. literally, you had one bite. I, it was like an experiment. I was like, I'm curious as to how this is gonna taste. I like literally couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't swallow it. You know, just based off of like what I had 
it's just a total change in my yeah. mindset. So, so yeah, so you, we, we had that experience. Sorry, go on. And that, well, like, I guess, like, even just seeing, like, you react that way, like, kind yeah. of grossed me out a little bit. Mm. And then, like, I didn't enjoy that burger, mm. like, as much anyway. I don't even know if I finished that burger. But normally I'd eat, like, mm. three or four burgers. I'd come home, like, when I was, <laughs> when I was in high school on lunch, like, I'd yeah. come home for lunch and, like, cook up, like, literally, like, three burgers. And, like, that would be my lunch. Yeah. No, like, salad, no, like, carrot sticks, but just, like three burgers with ketchup and a bun kind of thing, right? Yeah. And a lot of us come from that background. And I think I think a big part of, like, why we made this change is because we had come from that and we realized, like, how, like, bad that was. And then we, like, kind of flipped around and realized, like, damn, that is, like, pretty bad for our health. Um, yeah. So, like, I guess, yeah, like, seeing that was, like, maybe the seed planted in my brain, so to speak, of, like, seeing that happen. And then, like, you got into, like, training and stuff more, you know? Um, and then I don't know if, if you would like hit me to it, but I, I guess at some point down the road, I just like started getting more grossed out at like eating things that resembled animals like chicken wings and like a steak. Like, I don't think I ever was really big on steak cause it was just so obviously like a cut of like a cow, like on a plate kind of thing. Interesting. Okay. But it was easy to eat like hot dogs and bacon and bologna and stuff that didn't resemble animals. And I think a lot of kids will have the same sort of like instinct when they're young that like when they know it's an animal, it's like they ask a lot of questions, but if it's like wrapped up in a nice, like cozy sandwich or in a hot dog bun, it's less, it just looks like food. It doesn't really look like an animal. So it's sort of like you're being distanced from like the source of like where it's actually coming from kind of thing. For sure. right? For and that's sure. what grocery stores like do. Like it's like they're packaging it up in a nice cozy box with styrofoam and saran wrap. And then you're putting like season. I remember we talked about that. Like you put like a bunch of seasonings and sauces and you do everything you can to make it like not taste like meat and you're actually using plants to flavor like your meat so why not just eat plants right because like steak spices and like pepper and so, like all of that is like plant food if you think about it it's not like animal products right even right. oils are like plant oils olive oil sunflower oil peanut oil yeah those are all from plant foods right yeah so everything we do they like cook with and flavor meat and everything is all plant which is just kind of ironic it's like really funny when you think about it right um yeah, very few people are eating, like, raw meat. I mean, some people are, but... Like, I guess steak is kind of closest you get, right? No, but... well, you'll season steak. I mean, there's people out there who are just doing the carnivore diet or whatever, and they're just eating... Right, but not a lot of meat. people want to do that. No, no. Oh, the vast majority gross. of people are... Yeah, you have, your, you have your animal products that are seasoned by plants or <laughs> eating, eating them with plants. And yeah. So that sort of got you thinking, I guess, like, that it's... I just, I just knew from like going back to like seeing the animal thing that I yeah. was never down to like eat animals. And I, maybe you or someone else had posed the question to me, like rhetorically speaking, like, well, like if, can you go out and like kill a chicken or kill a cow or whatever, right? Can you go kill that and eat it? And like, if not, then like, why is it right to, to do it? Right. And I mm. still think about that nowadays. And I ask like my friends or whatever that when I just try to like raise awareness or poke fun at the situation a little bit of like could you actually do that? And like, there is some people who like, they're totally like they're hunters, you know, like they grew up up North or whatever. And they've been raised mm -hmm. in their families for like, you know, like parents after grandparents or whatever. And it's like, it, it literally, no pun intended. It's in their blood that they're like down to go hunt and kill an animal and like eat it, but they're still going to cook it and stuff. But I always just thought like, no, I'm like way too much of a pussy to like go and kill this like helpless animal. And like, just thinking about that made me like sad and I have cats and like we've grown up around dogs and like hamsters and all that. So it just kind of like, 
you know, slowly started coming to fruition that like it just didn't seem right and it didn't align with like what I like mm. had actually thought about. So and then from there, like, yeah, I stopped eating all stuff and then maybe just occasionally ate like fish and chicken, like what a lot of people do when they're transferring to to become vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I think I cut out like most meat um, in like 2015. Like I went to London after so was that to put like some some uh, timelines on this it was like right after I graduated from teachers college it was when I went to London for like two weeks with my parents and I got like a butter chicken meal when we were in London at like the, this pub and I think that was the last time like till this day that I've eaten meat mm-hmm. was this like butter chicken meal and I just felt like crap after it and I was like you know what this isn't like once I get back to Canada like I have it's summer I could be eating a lot of fruit and smoothies and like fresh foods like why don't I just try this, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ate meat. And it was never, like, I didn't put, like, a serious, like, I wasn't hard on myself. And I didn't force myself, like, no, you can never eat. It was just, like, why don't I just try to make that my last, like, piece of meat ever? Yeah. And I didn't know at the time, a month later, a year later, even until now, but that that, that would be, like, the last time I, like, ever ate meat. Um, and then, like, slowly on throughout that year or whatever, I would just occasionally, like, eat, like, nachos or, like, whatever stuff. Like, kind of healthier food, but, like, stuff with, like, eggs and, like, um, and some meat in it and then gradually just kind of, or sorry, not meat, uh, dairy, mm. it's just some eggs and dairy mm-hmm. in it just for that year. And then gradually just started phasing that out and then realized I had chronic allergies like my whole life through like cats and pollen and ragweed and all this stuff. And I noticed that like when I stopped eating dairy, my allergies like completely went away. Um, that's <laughs> crazy, man. You know, I, I hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it right now, but you used to be, I remember you used to be a lot more like blowing your nose. Kleenex blocks all everywhere I went. Yeah. yeah. And like <laughs> now you, like your, your voice, your voice is clearer. Yeah. Like, and I'm and a little not, bit sick right now too. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. But yours because, is even clearer than Yeah. Us. Cause like yeah. if I, if I think back to like, how, you know, but before I guess, yeah, like when we were, when we were in university and even growing up and stuff like that, you, like you were you were it was you, I was chronically was normal, congested yeah, like sneezing chronic, yeah. like all, some days like hundreds of times a day that's crazy like if I look back it's actually like a pretty pretty bad like sickness or allergy that I had and I never knew like what caused it or and like I don't know it's really weird looking back and I never it like, is crazy I didn't want to take man. like allergen or reactant or whatever because yeah. like I'd be taking it every day and I'd have so, so I just kind of like got used to it i guess right you get yeah. used to anything and i had allergies too i had a similar thing yeah i used to, I used to be a lot more stuffed up and um, i remember that too like it was just a thing we'd always have to have like kleenex around and you'd sneeze <laughs> like a couple times or like 10 times and just like having like piles of kleenex everywhere i went was like people could find me because like there'd just be a trace of like so that old tissues so anyways yeah that so became I, that became a uh, a reason to like really draw the line and say that i, I don't I, you don't want to consume that stuff i think anymore. i made the connection finally yeah. that like when when I stopped eating dairy and eggs that my allergies like completely cleared up and I always blamed mm-hmm. it on like I thought it was my cat or I thought it was like pollen and stuff and then yeah. like I would still be around cats and I'd be completely fine so I don't know to be honest like I'm not a doctor I don't know if I'm allergic to dairy or not but my experience was that like when I stopped eating dairy yeah all my allergies like complete and that was like freedom because like I couldn't even play like I played bass right yeah. I couldn't even like when I was doing YouTube videos I could barely get through a song without like starting to sneeze or blow my nose. So it was starting to like affect my life in like a pretty serious way, right? Right. Or I'd be like at a dinner and I'd sneeze and I'd have like boogers like hanging from it. So like socially it was like also like kind of like it caused like a bit of anxiety and like embarrassment too, right? Um, So yeah, I stopped doing dairy. Allergies got way better. And then like 
I guess from that point, and I don't, it all kind of blurs together, but at that same time, I started running more and started um, listening to, I think, like Rich's podcast and then read Eat and Run by Scott Jurek and got more in the trail running community and saw these like monstrous, like absolutely monstrous athletes who like were all plant based and they just like kept talking again and again about like how much better their recovery was how much better they felt, like, you know what I mean? And these, yeah. these themes just, like, kept coming up again and again in my life. And, like, I would have been stupid to, like, ignore all of them because it just seemed like like the universe was telling me to, like, you know, go vegan or just go plant-based, you know? Um, so that's kind of, like, I guess eventually how it happened. There wasn't a specific day that it was, like, mm-hmm. boom, I'm vegan. I still don't remember, like, the last time that, like, you know, my last whatever yogurt or my last cheat, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like that. It was just, like, a gradual thing. And then I realized, like, the more plant foods I ate, the better I felt. And then I tried to just phase myself off of, like, I don't know, I guess the more, like, junk foody foods and just eat more, like, whole food plant-based, which, like, Rich was, like, really big advocate of, um, just, like, not eating, like, fake vegan foods, like Oreos and stuff, but actually eating, like, salads and stuff, which I've never liked growing up, but... It, it for sure like anyone, anyone can attest to it like you feel so much better when you're eating like whole plant foods you know like a nice big like bean salad after like a run and then a nice big smoothie with like bananas and spinach and like green juices all that stuff gets me so excited you know even just thinking of like a fucking like beet juice <laughs> not everybody agrees my, uh, with you adam not but even thinking agrees. of like a green juice nowadays <laughs> a lot of people think green juice is gross and maybe i did but like i like crave that now you know there's like i know what you mean And maybe it's like your gut biome and that could be a whole other like podcast or topic. But eventually when you start eating better, you crave better foods. And when you eat like crap, you crave crappy foods. Like sugar is really addictive, right? That's the bottom line. Um, It's like what what you you crave what you are normally eating. Yeah. If you're used to eating junk food, you're going to crave junk food. But if you get used to eating healthy food, like it's hard for people to believe. But yeah, you will actually crave crave vegetables. You'll crave fruit. You'll crave, you know, those those foods even more so because you know that they make you feel good mm-hmm. but but i mean while they make you feel good there still is always that sort of draw of like the junk the junk foods because they're so stimulating right but they are but the more you satiate yourself with healthy foods the less appealing that that becomes for sure and like yeah. everything in moderation right like for sure eat some oreos and some sweet chili heat doritos and like other vegan because it's it's still not like harming the animals and the environment which is like well, maybe it's not totally good on the environment, but at least, like, no animals are getting harmed, right? For so sure. at the very least, if you're not eating healthy, you're also not, like, causing suffering to animals, which is, like, a pretty big win, regardless of nutrition yeah. aspects of it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. It's it's not it's not the end of the world to have those, you know, ve- we'll call them the unhealthy, the less healthy vegan <laughs> foods, or we could just say straight up the unhealthy <laughs> vegan. Let's just say the straight up. Foods, right? yeah. You know, Oreos are not a health food, right? But they are <laughs> vegan, and they are an option to, like, you know, you shouldn't, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's... Um, there's something to be said for allowing yourself that that bit of flexibility when you know on occasion when mm-hmm. when appropriate. I don't think it's the end of the world to indulge in some vegan junk food. We had some vegan pizza and donuts last night, me and my brother. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, it is good, and it's awesome that nowadays we live in a world where you can like drive to a vegan pizza place oh, yeah. or a vegan donut place, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's the power of, like, demanding that stuff, like, the power of your dollar. Like, the more we go out and, like, buy foods from those places, the more those places, like, the McVegan. McDonald's doesn't care about vegans, but McDonald's cares about money. Yeah. So they're making a vegan burger because they sure. care about money. Yeah, that's, that's so cool, right? Like, yeah. 
it's amazing that that this like stuff like that is even happening nowadays. Like Starbucks having coconut milk and soy milk, and even Tim Hortons now having like soy milk as an option. Like those are like pretty big wins that like get me fired up. Like that gets me stoked when I hear about like the A and W Beyond Meat burger. Oh, same here, man. I get so stoked when when I hear about that stuff. And I think yeah, it's important to to support. Like, look, the the companies who are behind animal agriculture and who are behind, um, you know, producing uh, products that unfortunately cause a great deal of suffering to animals, they don't wake up. I don't think anybody wakes up in that industry saying that they want to harm animals, right? It's just they want to, they want to make money. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's sad, but I mean, you know, the, the, that's, that's why... If you can provide that, like if if society and like the people at large, if we can provide that demand for for vegan foods and and companies realize they can make money, then that's that's how the change is going to happen. I think it's it's two things, right? It's like that. It's the demand, but it's also it's so important to be yeah having as many products out there as possible so that it's easy for people to decide to to buy those things because I think there's a lot of people who probably would buy a vegan option if it's available but it's not always available so for sure yeah the more options there are the easier it becomes for people to to buy them and the the two sort of feed off of each other well beyond meat burger is such a good example because like my dad who's like a pretty like diehard burger eater like i got him the beyond meat burger and like he literally said like like i'll order this next time because it it fills the same void as like eating a beef burger and that's like so cool that like now he can get a vegan burger you for know? sure. It's awesome. For sure, yeah. For people to be able to walk into to fast food restaurants and to have a vegan option, that's, I mean, I think I don't think it'll be long, man. I don't think it were many years from literally every, like, major fast food chain having, you know, a, having a, a few vegan menu items. I don't think that's far off No, no, it's already pretty much happening, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's yeah. Veganism the, is going to be the norm, which is, like scary but cool well, i shouldn't say scary but like eventually i think if, it's like, mind-blowing where well where we're heading right it's yeah. like you're gonna be like where vegans were like 10 years ago is like hopefully in 10 or 20 years that's like what meteors are gonna be like they're gonna be the ones who are like looked down upon and oh, like, the tables turn they're gonna be the inconvenient ones because it's like oh sorry <laughs> do you need to make you like a, a meat dish or something you know i wouldn't be surprised if that happens Especially if, like, the government and people, like, you know, like, what, like, um, Keegan and whatever, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and, like, what, are, what those big guys doing, like, Casper and everything. Filmmakers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then once the lobbyists and stuff get in and once, like, governments and everything, if that eventually happens, like, they'll realize, like, if we want to save this planet in, like, more ways than one, then, like, we need to, like, seriously cut down on, like, and they're already realizing that, right? Like, we need to cut down on our demand on animal products. Yeah, big time. Or else we're screwed, you know? Big time. <laughs> like 2020 or something, they said, not to like bust out stats, because I'm not like a stat guy, and like I don't know the exact thing, but like I'm pretty sure once we get to 2020, that's the year that like David Suzuki and stuff says like it's beyond fixable at that mm. point. So we're still in a time nowadays, right? In like 2018, 2019, where like, or maybe it's 2025 now, but there's a certain year that they've calculated where like we're still okay right now. We can still undo the amount of carbon emissions. We can still undo it if we're smart about it, Mm. but there is a point, right? There is a line that like once we cross that, there's no, like we can't undo it anymore. And that's pretty scary. And it's like pretty close. It's like 2025 or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's got to be hard to to put like a, a specific date on something like that. I, I think, but I, I know that there are there are dates out there for for various things, um, you know. And then and, and <laughs> the bottom line is, it doesn't look very good. Like we need to make some serious changes and it really there's certain things that just can't happen fast enough and i think yeah the vegan the vegan food options is definitely one like that just can't happen fast enough like just let's let's get it let's get yeah. it going more yeah. you know I, I like listening and and keeping keeping an, an ear to what's happening with like the clean meat stuff mm-hmm. you know, the lab grown meats and oh, uh that's crazy i think it's definitely the future i think there's no way there's no other way around it so it's um yeah it's exciting times to live in man and it's it um, it's it's cool to it's cool to have so many people going vegan too i mean now it's like there's just people going vegan left right and center doing all kinds of different stuff and just showing that no matter what you do what kind of person you are i mean the, the vegan stereotype is you know of, of like the long-haired hippie tree-hugging guy like i think that's that's quickly becoming a thing of the past it is people, for sure you know, f- from football players to hockey players to ultra runners to, you know, everybody. Even pop stars like pop stars, Ariana yeah. Grande, Miley yeah. Cyrus, and like huge shout out to them because like the leverage they have tying in the whole social media thing, right? Maybe to come full circle, but like the leverage that they have on social media and the power of it, the influence, the, mm-hmm. in, the social influence, right? It's like yeah, yeah. there's people socially influencing people to go to Bali and rent out a villa and to get skinny and to get this like the influence that most people are influencing is so stupid but the (laughs) fact that like ariana grande and miley cyrus are like able to use their massive reach especially with young people which is like our future right and the fact that they're like miley's not afraid to go out on her instagram to her like 50 60 million diehard followers and post like pretty like you know, uh, whatever. You Put know, that message like, out there. Put yeah, the but like even posting there. like like pretty like controversial. Yeah, and like bad videos or not bad, but like explicit, like, explicit like content. And Have they just, been doing that? Yeah, like like animals. Yeah, like Miley's like stuff, or? like not like maybe that hardcore, but yeah. like Miley's like like she's not afraid to tone it down. Like she'll like say it how it is. Mm. Ariana Grande maybe not so much, but like even just both of them the fact that they're like even talking about it is pretty cool but miley especially is like you know like huge kudos to her that she's like got the balls to or just got the nerve to be able to like use that and use her influence and her audience for like good because she realized the power of it and Mm -hmm. how important veganism is and she's not afraid to tell her following that so just think about like one person like that that's the power of an influence nowadays that she could probably make like millions of kids around the world go vegan from one social media post that takes like three seconds to draft up boom like three million people vegan like that right Mm -hmm. that's like the power of social media and all these kids around the world like myself included like when you get stuck like looking at your phone and like looking at how like good everyone's lives and stuff are and like i know i'm guilty of that because like we only post like the good moments and the adventurous moments and the stuff that people want to see right yeah but like the more so that you use your social influence even if you have 300 followers or 3,000 followers like if you've got something good to say it only like magnifies that which is so cool um not yeah like miley or ariana everyone they've got like some good to say and they're like using the platform for something good not for like you know buying into this like capitalist crap of like you know you gotta look x way you have to wear this product you have to do this you know what i mean like all that stuff's Mm -hmm. so bad and it's like so, so bad for like i've seen it again and again with like models i've worked with where like oh that's not my good side or like no I can't shoot today because I've had a break and like all this like it's such a fabricated like 
illusion of what people like their lives are actually like like I've seen this firsthand and it's sad and that's a big reason why I've kind of gotten out of like shooting models and working with brands and doing stuff like that doesn't align with me because it's not as glamorous as like they want it to be seen mm. as it's definitely not like I can tell you for sure it's not as glamorous but their job is to make it look like yeah so they're that always when, having fun so and, that when know? so that when you and me are when we're at or people listening when anybody anybody's scrolling through their Instagram you see these people in, in their perfect you know uh perfect day and it's just it's the illusion that that's the everyday and it's not it's point zero 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 one percent like yeah. of their lives right yeah and that's yeah it's sad so social media i think is like so so bad but then i guess it could also be good right? yeah using it for good so is that something that you because i mean to be uh to be fair i know that that's it's not really i mean if if somebody somebody would probably have to i mean now that you've done this podcast and it's all going to be out there i don't think you've talked much about veganism before though right it's been sort of I mean, is it something that you've like veganism and my brand kind yeah, of, so to speak, like, like in terms of, cause you've, cause you've got, um, like you've had, you know, viral videos and, and like lots of, mm-hmm. you know, like people, a lot of people have seen your work, but when you look at your work, there's not really a vegan message. Right. Like somebody would, somebody would have to like dig a little bit, maybe watch your stories or something and be like, Oh, you know, yeah. I think he's vegan. Right. You know, maybe someone watching but this now would be like, watching oh, this. Shit, Adam's vegan. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I think there's something to that too. Right. There, I think there's something to like having those people out in the world who are not really talking about veganism, but but they they sort of catch you by surprise. I think there's there's something to be said for that. But I mean, yeah. um, personally, I think that everybody, if there every every person who's out there who's sort of like a closet vegan, I think it, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased because I feel so strongly about the cause. But like, I'd like to see people speaking up more. I mean, not that I'm saying you have to. do No, that, no, you. I want you to call me out right but now. Is, like, is, you know, you're, yeah. you're politely calling is, me. Out, but well, I mean, that's it's what you're asking really. is well, maybe why am I not doing that? Because I have, I have an influence, so to speak, right? Like, yeah, I guess, I guess, lot, I, I guess. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to tell you what you should and shouldn't do, but I guess, yeah. How do you think about that? Like, do you think is like is that something that you're considering doing like just being involved in maybe projects that are more directly involved in veganism like is that something you see yourself getting more into or do you see yourself more sort of staying sort of like you'll do um you know sort of adventure travel or like you know going to these epic places and doing shoots and just sort of keeping veganism in the background like how do you yeah no no i i appreciate like your question it's on like i kind of wanted you to call me out in like a in a in like a a thought-provoking way of course of like like uh, maybe I am a, a hypocrite because of the stuff I've just said. Like maybe I don't have like six million followers, right? But like I think any number, even a hundred followers, is like an influence, right? If anyone is, is yeah. watching what you do, mm-hmm. you have the influence. And no, I'm not like super transparent about like there is some people who like in their profiles will have like vegan photographer, vegan trail yeah. rider, and stuff, right? For sure. And I've I don't know maybe consciously or subconsciously have chosen like not to do that. And you kind of hinted at it because you know me, right? But like. I'm not very, like, when I first went vegan, I think I was more, like, you know, thought-provoking and would, like, kind of push people's buttons and try to get it out of them and, like, really be, like, you know, like, hard for the cause kind of thing and, like, really trying to, like, promote it and everything. And, I don't know, I just thought it back to, like, kind of the way, like, I had, like, gone vegan and everything and it was never through, like, in my experience, people like that who were trying to, like, I don't know, not to, like, it's it's very cliche now but like the the shoving it down people's throat sort of idea of like 
I've never liked when we go to Dundas Square and there's like the extremely religious like fanatics who are like staying there at the sign like Jesus and like all this, you know what I mean? Nothing the against preachers. like any religion, yeah. but they're very like preachy about it. And like, I think at some point down the line, like vegans sort of got grouped into like a similar to, to non-vegans, right? To like meat eaters, vegans kind of got grouped into that same thing of just being very like preachy and thinking they're like better than everyone else and they're on the pedestal and like being vegan I think like one of the like I don't know the more I think about it the more I realize like it could be kind of cool that like the approach I'm taking like isn't that because even though I'm on the side of vegans I can also relate and I just want to sympathize to the fact that like when I wasn't vegan I didn't like the people who were like very like preachy and like shoving stuff down my throat it almost made me like repel more against it it's like when you're a kid and like your parents are like don't go partying and like don't do whatever it's like you're a kid and you're like gonna rebel and like i think we all kind of have that like in our blood where like you don't want to do what you're told when people are trying to tell you stuff you want to like you get to do it yourself you know you want to own it right yeah um so like i never went vegan because people told me to go vegan i went vegan because i wanted to go vegan right Mm -hmm. so i think like at least that's the way i want to like keep the message going is like I'm totally down to like be transparent and talk to and like like do conversations like this about it, but I never want to like force people or tell people they have to do it because I want them to like feel like they own it themselves. And maybe it's more powerful. Maybe my feeling is that like it's even more powerful when they feel like they did it because they owned it, right? Yeah. There's like an, a really cool psychology where like if you like it's like a business thing, but if you're at a meeting or something and like you're really good at like convincing people, mm-hmm. what they usually do is they try to convince the person that like it was their idea and that they came up with it. And then they're like 10 times more like gung ho about it because like they've come up with it themselves kind of thing. Right. Oh, yeah. There's t- there's yeah, there's tons of truth to that. I mean, I think, yeah, people are ultimately going to make up make up their own mind about things. I think, mm-hmm. though, that there's you know, there's definitely some um there's different ways to think about it. I mean, there's, I think there's people, people who are comfortable. I mean, if you look at the other extreme of like D DXE, right. Um, direct action everywhere. Do you know, you know that? Right. So they're out there doing really in your face activism and the, um, yeah, the idea behind that is, is like the more you can get people thinking about it, the better, even though you're putting people on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's like, that's not the point. The point is just to get people thinking about veganism. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I have I have a lot of different opinions on uh, like I have a lot of different feelings about which ways are most effective to advocate for veganism. And I think that it's it's like a really complicated topic because there's not, there's not like a one size fits all, um, you know, shirt to wear when it comes to promoting veganism. I think that it's really important that everybody does, you know, promotes veganism in, in some way, but that's going to, it's going to be different for everybody depending on what they're comfortable doing, um, what they're comfortable talking about. And I think like we need that. We need, we don't need everybody doing the same thing, and when when somebody turns to when somebody's thinking about veganism, I think that it's it's it 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 can be unhealthy if everybody who's promoting veganism is doing exactly the same thing and every right. vegan is doing the same thing. So I think the more versus like the more variety we have, mm-hmm. um, so the more you know some people are out there they're really talking about it all the time. They're really getting a strong message out there and really giving people things to think about. But then there's also these people that you just stumble upon and it's like oh. 
this person happens to be vegan and they're not they're not like crazy they're not like on the street you know shouting like right. I don't have to be that if I want yeah, to be vegan exactly. I can I can just sort of go about my my day and like you know if 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 people see me eating plants then then they see me eating plants and like yeah. that's I can be a person like that too so I think that it's yeah I think it's all it's all very important to like the different styles of vegan, I guess. Right. So, mm-hmm. it's, so for you, that's, that's like, I mean, at least where you are right now. And I, I think that people can change too. Like right now, maybe you don't want to be super outspoken about it. And maybe eventually in yeah, the future it might yeah, change, right. Sure. You know, or, but like, let's say if you had an opportunity to work on a, uh, on a vegan, you know, documentary or something, would that be something that you'd be interested in doing? Yeah, for sure. And I was, I was actually going to piggyback sort of a little bit, even off of what you said before about like, you know, what I'd be doing to um I guess to kind of put like my values a little bit more behind on like what I actually believe in with the work I'm doing um and even though I don't necessarily have you know like I said before I don't have it in my profile right I don't have I'm not like an outspoken like yes I'm vegan but I think through my work I've I definitely have had times where I've called out or like raise discussions about certain like I'll see like an Instagram repost, especially in like the world I'm in, which is like outdoor adventure wilderness stuff, right? Where a lot of people are like promoting being outside and our beautiful planet and like, you know, taking less long showers and not polluting and like sing- avoiding single use plastics, right? All these things that a lot of non-vegans like to talk about and like to boast about when they think they're like environmentally friendly but the ironic part of that obviously is that like if they had just gone vegan then they'd be doing so much more change than having like a little bit less of a long shower or not using single-use plastics um so there's been times where like i'll see like an influencer or something or maybe myself included where like an outdoor company let's say like a leather company like a backpack company right well this company's ethics and values are supposed to be like promote the outdoors and save the outdoors but they're using like they're they're using leather like there's a bit of like a dissonance there like it doesn't Mm -hmm. totally add up so i've like met politely messaged them or commented on it been like it doesn't make sense to me that you're promoting like leather products but you're saying like you're an outdoor lover kind of thing and it's Mm -hmm. the typical like i'm an animal lover but i eat animals like i love dogs like eating dogs is bad but like i'll go eat bacon kind of thing right yeah um and then most importantly i guess to bring this back to myself is like with my work and with getting out more like landscapes and stuff is I do want to have like a focus on like see how beautiful the world could be like see how amazing adventures and hiking and everything are we're not gonna have this and like our kids and their kids aren't gonna have it yeah. unless we make like some drastic changes right so I think like moving forward and that's it's honestly really good that you brought it up because it's something that like I think I would get a lot more value from my own work and I'd find more purpose in it for sure if I know you found more purpose in like what you're doing in your life when you started doing um, like the activist stuff, right? Because it gives you yeah. like, it gives you purpose and meaning to what you're doing. You're not just sitting in your room like mad about it. You're like actually doing something, right? Yeah. So moving forward, it's like, like, and it's awesome that you said that is I, I shouldn't be afraid and I should, I should want to use my influence and the work I'm doing to, to promote it. And in, in a way that obviously like jives with me, but in a way that also really relates to my audience. Cause I think the coolest thing would be to have a lot of people who are really into like outdoors and hiking and stuff. And then to tell them like, listen, it's like sad that like the rainforest is being cut down because of like palm oil and all this, but like literally like the entire world's going to be flooded in like 
however many amount of years and we're not even going to have trails and mountains and stuff to adventure on and it's not so much because of like like this weird thing called like global warming or whatever but it's because of like the actions you're taking every day right Mm -hmm. and like i guess finding a line between like i don't want to come across as like some science like dude because that's not my my like strength but like i it's just more so like do you are you an outdoor lover and that's a big thing why i went vegan too it's like i'm a tree hugger and like i love that shit and like to be contributing in something that like gives that much like carbon like 50 percent of carbon emissions are from animal agriculture right Mm -hmm. so like if you do care about the earth there's literally like one solution and it's like all the other stuff like showering a little bit doing that is like okay but like if you're not vegan then you shouldn't call yourself like an environmentalist you shouldn't call yourself like an animal lover so i think you like sparked up something really good that like maybe i can make in my new year's resolution in 2019 to be a little bit more outspoken and to try to align like the work i'm doing with like environmental you know Mm. like advocating for like environmentalism and for veganism because it's like they go hand in hand i think yeah right so for sure i mean and you can you talked about like global warming and and you know stuff like it's it's not just global warming though that's the thing to remember like it's there's so many different um environmental like disasters happening around the the planet it's not just rising temperatures because of methane right it's like all of the like people talk about the plastic in the ocean it's like most of that plastic is coming from fishing like it's fishing net plastic plastic from Mm -hmm. you know or you know ocean acidification the runoff from i mean watch conspiracy to learn more about all that stuff like it's it's not it's not just one thing right yeah. yeah so it's and then it's like the rainforest destruction and like you know the list goes on and on and on and i think yeah, I think that that's, it's really, it's, you, you, you bring up a good point to like sort of tie it, tie it into your message in a way that's going to relate to the, the following that you've already built up because yeah, you've built up this sort of outdoorsy brand, right. Of, you know, mm-hmm. doing a lot of really beautiful outdoor photography, beautiful landscapes, and then, yeah, sort of harnessing that platform to just sort of get people to think about it, you know, think about preserving um, the, the beauty that, that, that comes across in your work in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, right? and we're not always going to have it. Like, we take it for granted now, right? But, like, we're not one day, like, maybe we will, but, like, we're going to wish we had, like, a video game good enough or virtual reality as good enough as, like, hiking through Yosemite or, like, swimming all along the coast of, like, Bali or something, yeah. right? Like, we're going to wish we had experiences that good, but we have them now, right? But we're going to screw that up, and then we're going to try to, like, we always do to, like, fix it in such a weird, ironic way that we're going to make, like, VR, like, hikes and stuff where, like, we're not actually going to be able to hike because the world's going to be so hot and there's going to be forest fires everywhere and, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or you're not going to be able to snorkel or dive anymore because there's so much pollution, like, in the oceans, like, especially around, like, Bali and stuff. Like, there's some Man, some of that there, some like, of that footage of like just places in in the ocean where there's just just so much pollute like so it's just, much plastic it's literally just everywhere. everywhere yeah and I've been on beaches in like Bali that like some of those photos and they're not like fake photos like you'll go to a beach and the entire shoreline is like covered and there's like people will argue like blah 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 the ocean current pushes it up. but that shouldn't justify it it's still there right like yeah. people will like argue that like oh but it's only like that because like it's the one beach where like the current goes to, but it's like, that's still in our oceans and it's still on that beach. Right. Yeah. That beach that was once beautiful isn't beautiful anymore. So I don't know. Like, yeah, the older I get, the more I appreciate like the outdoors. And I think that's like why the whole vegan plant-based thing like rings so true to me is like, I want to like, 
I want to show like my respect for the environment and for hiking and everything in a way that like does it justice. So I think like you know maybe you're onto something there of like the next couple of years. What I know you mentioned like the vegan documentary and stuff before. I've never been like so much of a documentary filmmaker. I had done an ultra running documentary with three vegan ultra runners, mm-hmm. and one of them won like the Canadian twenty four hour championship that's awesome and once again i did it in a way that wasn't so much like this is a vegan documentary i did it in a way that was like this is a running documentary and guess Mm. what the guy who won it was like vegan you know and i think that's like super cool i feel like that's like the underdog like sucker punch to be like you kind of thing of like (laughs) you you just watch this like 15 minute documentary and you didn't even know but like boom now you know kind of thing i I dig it man i i I really think that that's that's a good way to go for for a lot of people is to have that sort of yeah that sort of uh you you don't see it coming but it's like when you when you get hit with it it's it's because people have that joke right like how do you know how do you know someone's vegan it's like they'll tell you within three seconds or whatever right but, but then when you go against that and then you you know let's say you create a movie like um like in i think uh i i heard um the producers of Cowspiracy say, and what the health, that they purposely avoid using the word vegan. Yes. Until like later in the film. And then it's like psychologically yeah. timed at like 43 minutes in or something <laughs> when most people have realized like that they're for the points that they make, then they drop the word vegan. Right. And then it's too late to like back out. <laughs> we got because, you. Yeah. Exa- you agree with us it's, already. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And you look at um, like Scott Jurek, for example, right? Scott like he's vegan and he talks about it but scott doesn't really like wave his vegan flag around when he's doing like his fkt of like the Mm -hmm. appalachian trail or the um i can't remember the trail he just did like the fastest known time from maine to like cal or carolina or whatever it was um but like in all the interviews and in runner's world and all this stuff like when when people ask him like what's your diet like what's your nutrition like then he goes out and like mm-hmm. said and that's just like you said before everyone's unique and i've just like been more attracted to like that style of like veganism and i think it's super cool a lot of like photographers actually in like the outdoor adventure place like chris burkhardt who's one of the best surf photographers he's like probably my idol right now like he's got like wicked gigs he's such a good photographer and like i found out like a week ago that he's vegan and it was never like it was in his profile or whatever and i think that's so much cooler like finding out like that because like you already love the guy and then you find out he's vegan and it's like that's sick right but like falling in love with someone maybe just because they're vegan it's like falling in love with someone just because they're like good looking or what you know (laughs) or just because they're like a fast cyclist or like it's a little bit more like superficial i know that's a weird Mm. example but like if you already love someone for like who they are and then they're like vegan on top of it it's just like the icing on the cake and i think that's sick i get it yeah yeah and i think yeah i mean for us already being vegan it's it's like a nice surprise but then for for somebody who isn't already vegan if you're following somebody and you really like what they're doing and then you find out they're vegan without having them you know shouting it from the rooftops yeah then it just sort of changes people's perspective on like what vegans can be like i said before right like not every vegan is out there shouting it from the rooftops Mm -hmm. if you're if you if somebody's thinking about becoming vegan because some people i mean some people tell me that they they're considering going vegan but they don't want to be vegan because of like the stereotype that vegans have right so the more people that are out there not being that stereotypical you know talking about veganism all the time um, that can perhaps, you know, help people open up. But, but to argue your point, if all vegans are like that, 
then it would be so much harder to get more people to go vegan. So at the same time, to play yes. devil's advocate here, yeah. I completely respect and I don't look down upon people who are like doing fur protests at Canada Goose and who are right. like marching in the streets and doing more like extreme for- extreme yeah. <laughs> forms of activism yeah. because I realize like I'm not doing it. And so it's like I'm actually like even glad that there's people like you who have like your form of veganism that are going to go out there and do that and take it in your own hands and go to like animal vigils and like all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and go to slaughterhouses and protest because like if every like i said if everyone was like us and like closet vegan i think that word closet nothing would get done like, nothing, nothing would, would really done. get done a big reason why yeah veganism is spreading so quickly is is because like there's all these animal rights you know organizations like the save movement uh, anonymous for the voiceless doing the cube of truth dxe like these are all really important things for the growth of veganism i think i mean mm-hmm. they are and it's um yeah, it's it's the kind of things that you know maybe people like to make fun of some of the times, but it still gets people thinking. It gets the message out there. So, for sure, it does. Yeah, we need everything. Cool, man. Um, well, that's uh, it's, that's a that's a pretty good chat. I mean, uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about? What did, did I have? I had some show notes written down here. I think we talked about everything that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to hit on in this episode. But um, anything else you want to add? I think we covered like most stuff. We like we bounced we bounced around a lot for sure, and I think it was good that like I didn't just like ramble out like my entire life. Like I think we hit like <laughs> we hit like all the pain points and all like the good points. That that was like, you know, yeah. I think it was like pr- pretty pretty spot on. Like you heard my side of of you know veganism. I guess maybe I could add like because I know your audience like like even the title like the vegan champions where like maybe not I'm trying to think of like a good way to say this but like it's funny that even when you asked me to be on this because I thought to myself like like I'm, I'm not a vegan champion like why would I be a guest like on like the vegan champion podcast kind of thing right but I think like maybe I realized it during this conversation but like I think like anyone who's like it all comes down to yourself right so I think, I think anyone who's like gonna take initiative and like be vegan is like inherently a champion right like I don't have to be going out like this misconception in my mind of like I'm not Durian Ryder I'm not like the what I can't remember the other guys or like couple you interviewed and everything from the past the vegan couple right like maybe I'm not like that transparent like I'm not Durian Ryder I'm not um the Denmark or the um, excuse me for forgetting his name but um I know, like, the other oh, people... Oh, David. Who, David Banana. David Banana, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From Germany. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, those guys are maybe, like, more typical, like, in the vegan champion crowd or whatever, right? But, like, don't think that, like, because you see vegans like that, that you have to identify with them. Like, I think everyone, what we kind of hit there, like, everyone's unique and you can, like everyone's their own version of like a vegan champion kind of thing right bingo man whereas like i come at it from like a photography like filmmaking perspective and traveling and stuff but maybe someone else is like a doctor a lawyer and they're vegan and like you know what i mean so like don't have a conception in your mind of like this perfect like vegan who's like always eating lentils and like meditating (laughs) and biking up doise the tap like that's not like that's sort of like the influence like the social like that perfect vegan that like you have in your mind but that doesn't have to be you to be like a vegan champion you can be like a normal person and still be vegan and like you're a champion because you're doing something like 
still so good, you know? Yeah, it's so. true, man. And and you're not just your average vegan, man. You're 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 a champion in your own right in terms of how you've been able to, you know, put put your life, you know, get your life together in a way that you're, you know, you're doing something like you, listen, man, you've got a lot of things that people that a lot of people wish they had. You're doing something that you that you love or at least you're doing a lot of things that you love to do. <laughs> Um, and you're, you know, you have a certain amount of independence, a certain amount of freedom. Um, you know, you've got, I think you got your head, head on pretty straight right now and you're good. You're a good example of, um, yeah, what can be done in terms of, you know, alternative lifestyles and, Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, thinking outside of the box and, and trying to do, trying to do something good for the world, man. So you're definitely a, uh, you're, you're definitely qualified to be, to be, (laughs) do I get a certificate once we're, once we're signing off? I I think I need, I think, I I think what I need to get is like trophies. Yeah. And so like every guest on the show gets like a vegan, your vegan champion trophy. So yeah, I'll, once I get those happening, I'll make sure that all the listeners get sent one and yeah, yeah, man. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. Well, we need to have like, some some lucky draws and stuff like yeah that, that'd think, be cool yeah. that'd be a cool idea but no yeah. man i appreciate the kind words and like same to you man it's crazy like this this life thing you know and like how we evolve and just about being like the best you you can be and like deep down you kind of always know like when you're a kid like the person you wanted to be growing up or like the best you can be you always like inherently know it so it's just like every day taking like little tiny actions even if like for a week or a month or a year you get like sidetracked you get off the rails like as long as you keep your eye like on that goal then like you're, you're a vegan champion, you know? So. Yeah, man. For sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, let's leave it there. We'll have you on for uh, for another episode um, sometime in the future, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe we can talk about my vegan documentary or something. You never know. Maybe we'll, yes. we'll get that cooking. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll collaborate on something in the next uh, in the next year or so. We'll <coughs> France, see France. <coughs> oh, don't say too much. That's on the hush-hush. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming on, man. Happy New Year. Thanks, man. You too. What a great way that was to spend New Year's Eve. I'm so happy for Adam and how he has been able to carve out such a cool lifestyle for himself. I hope his story perhaps got some gears turning in your head about how you might be able to get your life set on a trajectory that's more in line with your passions. If you haven't done so yet, definitely head over to Instagram and check out Adam's work. He is at Adam Stevens Visuals. While you're over there, maybe leave him a comment or send him a message. Let him know what you thought of today's conversation. If you got something out of this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could help us get the word out about the show. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a coworker, tell a stranger. Tell anyone you think might be into giving it a listen. For your convenience, the Vegan Champion podcast can be found on a number of listening platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Podbean, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Anchor.fm. Or maybe you would prefer a more visual experience, in which case you can head on over to the Vegan Champion podcast on YouTube where you can watch the video versions of these episodes. Wherever you experience the show from, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. It would also be a massive help if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That goes a long way towards getting the podcast traction so that others can discover it too. Check out my website to learn more about me and find links to all of my social media accounts at jasonfonger.com. 
Check out the veganchampionpodcast.com for everything podcast related. And if you want to go the extra mile and financially support the work I do, check out patreon.com slash jasonfonger. That would be greatly appreciated. But of course, not necessary. The show is completely free. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Adam for sharing his story with us. Thanks to Matt Chalmers for the music. Thanks to Cole Lajeunesse and his team at Planet Convert for providing the podcast graphics. I'm super grateful to be able to bring these interviews to you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you have any feedback you would like to provide me about the podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out to me via social media or through email at theveganchampionpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, everybody, keep eating those plants, keep putting in the work, and keep living like a champion, a vegan champion.